You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox here with you, and I'm joined, as I usually am on Mondays, by my buddy Matt Jennings. Thankful to have Matt back after uh, a short week with Thanksgiving, and we have a game to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about a victory over the Kansas Jayhawks, which is what you're supposed to do, but it's still better than the alternative. So we'll break it down a little bit. Horn Frogs get the victory on Saturday, 59-23 to over KU. Scored in just about every way and every phase imaginable. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Don't forget you can go to uh, BuiltBar.com, and if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your first order, next order. So if you want to try Built Bar, use that promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Matt, I, I want to jump into this, and before we get into sort of the weeds of, you know, what happened, why they were successful, let's just talk about how weird of a game that was. So I want to know, and there are a lot of options here, a Carterware touchdown, um, <laughs> a Kansas center who was just snapping the ball over the KU quarterback's head, like that backup center for Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Um, <laughs> the defense scoring a couple touchdowns. CJ Caesar maybe getting the easiest pick six ever on a play where the QB, I can't remember which one it was. I believe it was Miles Kendrick. It like, was, yeah. Simultaneously stared down the wide receiver and double clutched before finally letting go. What was the weirdest thing that, that you saw that happened in that game? Um, oh, man, that you're, you're right. There are so many options. I feel like the really easy answer, so I'm not going to say this, but, like, the easy answer is Max Duggan only completing three passes. Oh, that's night, true, yeah. But all three of them going for touchdowns. <laughs> but I'm not going to say that. We'll talk – we can talk about Max Duggan plenty a little bit uh, in a little bit. But, um, honestly, the <laughs> – Kansas punting out of its own end zone and Darius Davis returning it for a touchdown, but he only had to return it. What was it? Like uh, it, was yards. A, it was a 37 yard punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> like that's gotta be, I I'm sure there's been a shorter one, but that's gotta be like among the shortest punt returns touchdowns in the history of, of, of college football. Cause it's just, it's so rare that not only, are you that backed up when you're punting, but that the ensuing punt goes so like he could have, he could have fair caught it and NTCU all would have already would have been in scoring territory. And then just like, he just like wiggled his way through, you know, four, four different arm tackles and, and just, Oh man, Kansas is really bad, man. <laughs> They're really, really bad. They're so bad. Uh, that's a good one. And it's, it's rare. You're right. That it's short. It's also rare that you get that casual of a punt return touchdown where you basically know, like as soon as it came off that dude's foot, you were like, Oh, that's, that could be a score because it was just a line <laughs> shot. Yeah. It hung in the air for like two seconds and it felt like Davis had zero resistance getting into the end zone. So that's a good one. I'll just go. And yes, Max's line was so bizarre, but the three touchdowns, I mean, the two to pro Wells and then the Carter Ware they were wide open, like wide open is an understatement. I mean, Pro Wells was all by himself on the first TD. Carter Ware was just running down the sideline by himself on the second one. And then the third one, Wells snuck out again. 
So I'll just say the tight ends not getting covered by Kansas at all, which bold strategy by them. Um, good for Carter Ware. I know he has a great story. He's a fan favorite. Another thing I learned during this game was Artavius Lynn's a really good teammate. Like he was tweeting <laughs> during the game and he yeah. was just like, man, I'm really happy for Carter Ware. And man, I'm happy for my brothers. And I was just like, man, Artavius Lynn seems like a cool guy. Like I'd like to hang out with him. He just seems like a nice, encouraging young man. So oh, for sure. I'm, I'm happy for him and for that tight end group. But I'll, I'll say the, uh, just the oddness of those guys running free multiple times. Oh, and what I wanted to ask you about, I, I didn't catch this, and I didn't get a chance to rewatch the game today. So, O'Shawn Mathis did a play with a towel in his hand. What happened there? Okay, yeah, so this was super weird. It was, uh, it had a, it was in the second half at some point, and I don't remember exactly when. And it was such a – I don't know why this is where my eyes zoned in on this moment, but other people saw it too, so I know I didn't imagine it. You know, the guys have the, have their towels that they that they have uh, you know um, on their pants. That, you know, if they need to uh, they need to wipe uh, wipe off their hands at any point. And he pulled his off, so it was free in his hand, like pre-snap. But then he went ahead and got into his stance and kept it in his left hand for the duration <laughs> of the play, and like continued with the play as normal. And it just, I think that was very. <laughs> In a way, I feel like that might have been indicative of just what the situation was for TCU this game, which is that, you know, kind of just do your job one-handed and that's enough um, <laughs> against this KU team. Um, you know, just kind of, it doesn't matter because um, they're just, they were so outmatched in every way. But it was, it was, it was, it was just a very odd thing. It was, it was indicative of the whole game of just like everything about this game seems weird. Uh, kudos to TCU for finally getting over the Kansas bug that they have ha they had had you know for the first few years in the Big 12 with the exception of 2018 now they've won three of their last four against Kansas and they've all been blowouts like they've only like before 2017 it was like they would always have it would always be a one possession game at halftime and everyone would be like what in the world's happening and they finally right. figured out what not to do uh, against them and, and, and win comfortably, again, with the exception of that 2018 game. Um, so kudos for that, I guess. Um, ABKU has just, like, hit a new level of bad this year, which is insane to think about, but might be true. Um, but it, it really looks like it because they, they were hapless in pretty much every phase, with the exception of, like, Miles Kendrick coming in for one drive before halftime and, and lighting it up. They, were, they really didn't know what they wanted to do. No, they didn't. And I mean, I would think this team, this KU team is probably pretty close to mailing it in if they're not already there. But you're right. As embarrassing as that loss was in Lawrence, maybe that was the key to getting uh, rid of the, the Kansas Blues where you're playing all these one possession games. And I think it also helps when you're a mediocre team <laughs> going in there just because I feel like if you're really good and you have a target on your back, maybe KU gets up for that a little more and their efforts better and they're kind of throwing the kitchen sink out there trying to get a victory. But if you're three and four and you get out to an early lead, they're just sort of like, okay, yeah, this is how this is supposed to go. We, we don't have a chance. <laughs> Before we go to break, how much longer? And I, I understand that Les Miles, you know, he's, he's basically there as sort of a bridge guy, potentially the next guy. And he's getting paid a lot of money. He can buy a new house or whatever he wants to do with that. But how much longer is he there? Because I don't think it's so much KU firing him. I just can't imagine this is very fun for him right now 
working so hard and trying to get this thing going and just getting bludgeoned every single week. Yeah. I, no, I, I'm not sure how much like heat there's going to be on him. I mean, his AD is Jeff Long, our good buddy, our good friend, Jeff Long, formerly of the college football playoff committee and formerly of the AD Arkansas. Um, uh, I don't know how much pressure there, there would be on him uh, from the administration or the boosters to make a change. But yeah, I think you hit on a good point. Like, does Les Miles really want to do this? The fact that he took the Kansas job in the first place when he knew what situation it was after he had been the head coach at LSU, maybe that does say that he just really loves it and really wants to stick with it. Um, but this is a this is a bad beat for him. It's a tough it's a tough situation for him to be in. I I really don't know. Um, and and it's and he doesn't have the benefit of what he had at LSU, which is that even though he was fairly unimaginative with what he wanted to do on offense, he had, you know, four and five star athletes at every single position where it kind of didn't matter. He could overwhelm opponents. They can't do that at Kansas. Um, so they're dealing with that. I think they've got um, a couple nice players. Um, I actually like a couple of the coaches on their staff. Uh, they're doing some interesting things, but yeah, I don't, but it's, it's always that question with Kansas, like, who are you going to get? Like there are coaches, there, there are jobs in this country in, in college football where it's like, Oh, maybe it's time for them to move on because this is a high potential job that they can move on and, and, and actually find a really interesting candidate. Kansas is not one of those jobs. No, it's definitely not. And speaking of unimaginative offenses, we'll, we'll get into the offense next and just sort of what went down. They did win. They won big. They handled their business. But coming up, we'll talk about uh, the lack of throwing the football and where we kind of stand with it looks like one regular season game left with the possibility of, of maybe one more thing, get another one scheduled. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Coors Light. Uh, the holiday weekend's over. I hope you had some relaxing time with family. And you might be thinking, man, Monday, it's, it's Monday. I got to get back on my grind now. I got to start working again. Well, don't forget, you still need to take a chance to chill. You still need to have a moment uh, to unwind and relax. So make sure when you get that chance, you grab a cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the beverage that's made to chill. It's cold lager. It's cold brewed. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset and refresh, make sure you grab a cold Coors Light. And if, you know, you, you don't want to get out right now, you don't want to go to the store, there's a cool offer they have going right now. You can go to get.coorslight.com and have the beer delivered straight to your door. Again, that's get.coorslight.com and you have the beer delivered straight to your door. Don't have to get out and get it. Always remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company. Golden, Colorado. Chatting with Matt Jennings um, about TCU football. Coming up tomorrow, I know there was TCU basketball. The men's team is 3-0. They just won the Hall of Fame uh, Tournament Classic in Vegas by beating Tulsa and Liberty on back-to-back -back days. So we'll talk about them. We'll talk about the women who are 2-0 after victories over Incarnate Word in Central Arkansas. And I'll do that tomorrow. I'll break down. Uh, I'll, I'll do a segment called Weekend Observations where we just sort of go around and talk about the other sports that went down and competed uh, in TCU athletics on uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And we'll have a lot to recap with, with the holiday weekend and those games getting underway on Wednesday. But Matt's with me. And in the first segment, we were just talking about what a weird game this was. But let, let's get into kind of the nitty gritty of this. And I want to chat about this offense. Uh, Matt talked about Max Duggan's bizarre stat line on Saturday 
so it's pretty clear what they what they are. Like we we talked about for a couple of weeks, Matt, that they were sort of splitting time between different philosophies. Well, they're all in on running the football now, and I know they were thin at wide receiver, had some injuries there, but this is what they're gonna do. Um, my, my first question to you is: Do you think they have any chance of beating Oklahoma State running the ball thirty-five to forty times? when they host uh, the Pokes in, in Fort Worth on Saturday? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I would think that maybe they could if this were an Oklahoma State team that fit the mold that we think of with Oklahoma State. But they're kind of the flip of what we normally think of in that their offense is a little – you know, a little, a little streaky, but their defense is actually very good. I think they, they rank in the top 30. Um, I think they have top 25 this year in, in defensive SP plus. Um, they're really good on that side of the ball. Uh, Jim Knowles has got them in, in good shape and, and they've won a couple like really like they've low scoring and slugfests. So that's kind of what they're doing this year. Um, and so if you're playing that sort of game uh, against, uh, I think you kind of play into Oklahoma State's hands if you're trying to limit possessions, if you're trying to not, uh, you know, uh, trying to have it not be a high scoring game and you're trying to play for time of possession, I don't think that's going to work against this particular iteration of Oklahoma State. Unless you just do it better than, than, you even have at this uh, to this point in the season. I know they they looked great running the ball on Saturday, but they've got to be on a different level if they're going to be able to have that kind of success against Oklahoma State this week. I don't understand why you have three offensive coordinators if you're going to run a two-way high school offense. <laughs> and I mean that's no offense to two-way high schools. Um, I cover high school football at the radio station and I really enjoy Texas high school football. I think there's great coaches all around the state, but that's typically what you see at the small school level is, you know, running the ball a lot, occasionally throwing it. If you're going to throw, you're going to throw it deep. Um, I just wonder when they get away from this, Matt, and, and maybe, maybe they don't as silly as that sounds. Is it after you have spring ball and you get a chance to work on the passing game more. I mean, even, and I understand you're doing whatever you want in the running game. So why get away from it? But if there was a chance to work on some things and sort of get dug in in a rhythm, it would have been yesterday and they still, uh, they still weren't willing to do it. So when do you see this sort of flipping or, or do you think this is, is what they want to do moving forward? I definitely think it's what they're going to do on Saturday at Oklahoma State. Right. And I think you, I think you hit on a, a the the key thing. You know, why are they running this? You know, two way Texas high school offense, and why do schools like that run the run the offense that they do? It's because you're limited in terms of the talent you have access to, or you're limited in terms of like what your talent is capable of executing. And we we talked about this in uh, for a minute a, a, a few weeks ago. There's the only explanation that makes any sense to me right now is that on top of all of the conflicting philosophies that we've talked about ad nauseum about uh, on, on the coaching staff about what they want the offense to be, on top of that, Max Duggan can't be 100%. 
that's that's the only explanation that makes any sense to me because you look at what they were doing offensively in the first four games and what they've been doing over the last four games and it's an entirely different it's an entirely different playbook i mean we've they they in the first you know against texas and against iowa state and even against oklahoma they're trying to throw the ball downfield. They're they're going tempo. They're throwing the ball like 32 times a game, um, and now they're throwing the ball 21 times a game. And they are um, uh, Max Duggan has gone from um, completing 69% of his passes through those first four games. Then over the last four games, he's completing 51% of his passes. Like there's no way to account for this drastic change both in the scheme and in just like his efficiency and execution unless there's like there's something impeding his ability to throw the ball and throw uh in general and throw the ball downfield specifically that's the only explanation i have otherwise and they're just not talking about it otherwise he has regressed spectacularly very very quickly in which case you have to answer for that so it's one of those two things because i don't there's nothing else that makes any sense to me because when you had some good things going for yourself those in the in those first four games um and you had the makings of like oh maybe you can do some fun interesting things and you do like i know they had guys injured yesterday and that quentin johnston was Mm -hmm. out but like you've got player like you've got pro wells you've got tay barber you've got darius davis you've got you know four good running backs like you have players out there who can catch passes who can get the ball in space and do stuff and they're just kind of refuse they're just like throwing that all out like the, you don't do that unless you're like we literally cannot do the things that we would like to do because of the limits that we have at quarterback and you certainly can't put out Matthew Downing or Stefan Brown apparently the coaching staff we've seen Matthew Downing and we and we would assume if the, if given the quarterback situation haven't even tried to put Stephon Brown out there you can kind of infer what the situation is with the quality of play that they can they think that they would get with him so I'm rambling now at this point but that's the only thing that makes any sense to me I, I do think the offensive staff is you make a great point like you got three different guys who supposedly are leading the offense in one way or another in Meacham and Cumbie and Kill. And you can't, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's no defined philosophy. There's no defined identity. And now that they've finally defined an identity, it's one that really doesn't make sense. It's, it's an absolute mess. They need to make some wholesale changes. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they make wholesale changes in the offseason. I don't think Gary Patterson's going anywhere. We can have that conversation later, but they got to make wholesale, wholesale changes on the offensive staff and they got to get Max Duggan healthy. Or if he's not, or if he's totally healthy, then maybe they, <laughs> then they got to figure out what they did wrong with mm-hmm. his development this season because woof. No, you're right. And it, Weird. I think it was Parker that brought this up. Parker from the theory. I mean, Dunning throw the ball a lot, and they are also asking to make different throws every week. So you know, this week it was, well, we're going to go deep all the time. And I mean, hey, it worked. And if he hit, if Darius Davis holds on, he's four for ten with four touchdowns, which is a little more respectable. Um, but. They, they had a couple weeks where everything was behind the line of scrimmage and they were doing tunnel screens and now they're throwing the ball downfield. So it's just, it's just like, even with the consistent things, they can't find consistency. So I, I don't know what the answers are, but we'll continue to 
try to find reasons and explanations for what they're doing and we'll see what they do against Oklahoma State. And, and Stephen, I, I want to touch on that. I, I do think this week, them throwing down the field, they did do that, and they, and they did it on um, two of those touchdowns, uh, to, mm-hmm. uh, one to Pro Wells and one to Carter Ware, and then they, they, they had the other one to Darius Davis that was, that was dropped, and that, it, was a, it was a good pass. But I think you hit on it. Uh, they, were, they were throwing down the field more in this game, but I think two things stand out. One, your opponent, obviously, like they, they drew those up because they saw something on film that they, they wanted to exploit, right? Like they knew, like, and those were wide open throws. Um, right. So not to, not to say that that's, that, that it's data that we should throw out, but it is something that you take, you, you understand, like they were comfortable throwing those, maybe they were comfortable throwing those this week as opposed to in previous weeks, because again, they saw something on film that they really, really liked. And they obviously schemed it up well because they got the open receivers that they wanted. Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't put as much stock into the fact that they threw downfield this week, because I think that's less a product of like them trying something different rather than them, rather than them saying, Oh, this is just like a very blatant, uh, advantage that we have a very blatant like hole in their defense that we can just exploit so that would be the thing that I would say on that front on that front and then on regardless of the throwing downfield three of 11 like three of 11 is three of 11 like yeah. at some point yeah. like we you and I have talked about this off air he's just not like Max Duggan's just not been accurate the last few weeks which is insane because again through four games, he was complete 69% of his passes. What accounts for an 18-point difference in, in completion percentage between one stretch of games and another? It, there's, like, he's, he, looks, he looks worse right now than he did at his worst points in his freshman campaign. And to me, again, that just points to I, I, Vegas would never put odds on this because why would they? But if, if someone were to give me any odds right now on Gary Patterson gets up after the end of the Oklahoma State game on Saturday and says, oh, well, Max Duggan's been pay- playing with X, you know, debilitating injury for a month, right. I would put any amount of money on it. I really would because I just it, it's the only – I, I, I don't really want to keep harping on this, but it's just, it's the thing that makes sense both with the play calling and his and, – and just like his – play it's the thing that makes the most sense to me now all that being said the play calling is garbage like they, they need to make some again wholesale changes but um i think that's important context to to kind of keep in mind because otherwise it the things it just doesn't add up no it doesn't if you want to give matt odds on that at matt a jennings on twitter let him know if he can <laughs> uh, if he can make some money off you Coming up, I want to talk to Matt and to the audience about a missed opportunity I had on Friday night. And we'll also get into one positive, one player that stood out to me on Saturday. And, and I'll bring it up to Matt and see kind of what we both think of, of what his usage could look like moving forward. But before we do all that, I want to tell you about Built Bar. I talk about Built Bar pretty often. It's the most delicious protein bar ever. I've never been a protein bar guy. Like, that's not really my thing. But I started trying it just because they advertise with us. And I really think, I love it. I think it's delicious. Um, it helps give me energy throughout the day. They have some new flavors like cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, caramel brownie. I, I really love the cookies and cream. I'm also a big fan of some of the original flavors like German chocolate and peanut butter. And if you're one of those people that cares about what you put in your body food wise, 
uh, it's only 180 calories. It's six grams of fat, six grams of carbs. So it's good fuel for your body. It's not, you know, crazy. It's not going to take up uh, most of your calorie count or calorie limit for the day. It's good. It's nutritious. And I told you about this deal at the beginning of the show, but if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you can get 20% off your next order. So if you're like, man, I don't know if I want to get this a try, just go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on, 20% off, get a box, see what it's like. And, you know, we got that discount for you. If you go to builtbar.com, again, the promo code is locked on. Final segment on locked on Horn Frogs, Stephen Simcox and Matt Jennings here with you. Please subscribe and uh, rate and review me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I post these at midnight every night. So um, if you subscribe, it gets downloaded straight to your phone. You can listen to it whenever and wherever you want throughout the day. So I wanted to tell Matt and my audience about an opportunity that I had on Friday that I totally whiffed on. So I had a chance, and I didn't realize this until Saturday, I could have broken some TCU news on Friday night. I could have had – I had the opportunity to be the Adam Schefter of TC football <laughs> and, you know, guys like Jeremy Clark and Drew Davidson and um, Billy Wessels and the Frogs of War folks do a great job of this. But on Friday uh, I'm doing, I'm running the board for Temple football and Temple is where Quentin Johnston played high school football. And at the end of the game, our sideline reporter Q is talking to the Temple head football coach, Scott Stewart. And he says, hey, that was really great that there were a couple of former players here tonight, Quentin Johnson and Jared Wiley. Of course, you all know Quentin Johnson. Jared Wiley plays tight end at Texas. He was a quarterback at Temple uh, a couple of years ago. And I didn't think anything about it. I was like, oh, Quentin's in, in Temple. That's kind of cool. I guess maybe the Gary let him go, like, for Friday night, or I don't even know what I thought. I it just didn't <laughs> even comprehend in my mind that, wait, Quentin Johnson is in Temple, Texas, at 10 o'clock on Friday, he might not make it to Lawrence at seven o'clock on Saturday. He didn't make the trip. <laughs> he's injured. So Matt, I needed your journalistic skills that day because I could have gotten some retweets and uh, I didn't do it. I didn't, it didn't click in my mind until I didn't see him on the field on Saturday night. <laughs> Missed opportunity for the scoop there, man. No, man, you got to be dialed in anytime you're doing one of those broadcasts and, and you, you, you suddenly hear that one of TCU's probably four best players is, is, <laughs> is in a different state that he's supposed to be in. Maybe, maybe we should talk about that. No, that's really interesting. But uh, yeah, as we've talked about, TCU, super transparent with the media. We have no idea what <laughs> Quentin's um, um, uh, injury situation is where he wouldn't be able to uh, participate in the game on Saturday. So that's super fun. Um, it obviously didn't matter very much with their, uh, um, with their success overall and the over and the ending scoring margin, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, come on, man. I need you to step your game up a little bit, just a little bit on the, on the news breaking. I, I failed on the job, no doubt. Um, and you're right. Gary didn't say anything about his stats moving forward. He's just like, yeah, we're, we're, how do you come off a bye week and you have like 13 less players? That makes no sense to me. It's like, well, after the West Virginia game, it's like, well, I mean, what do you expect? We only have 53 scholarship players. And Saturday was like, well, we only have 40 scholarship players tonight. I'm, I'm expecting them after Oklahoma State to be like, well, we got five scholarship players left. I mean, I mean, it's very possible, like, like with like a whole bunch of NFL teams and a lot of college teams are dealing with right now, you know, it's very possible they had a, 
I'm speculating here, but maybe they had another uh, uh, round of, of uh, either positive COVID-19 tests or, or mm-hmm. contact tracing guys. And so that maybe that was part of it. Again, um, those are those are things that are interesting in the interest of public health. So maybe you should disclose them, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I, I think the fact that they let Quentin go down like three hours down the road to Temple on a Friday before a game, that doesn't make me super optimistic that he's going to be playing against Oklahoma State on Saturday, but that's that's all speculative. He might be ready to go. I, we don't know the extent of his injury, as we said. Before we go, I, I did want to ask you about something positive. Uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of Zach Evans throughout the year, and he's had some good games, but had 100 yards on Saturday, 12 carries for 100 yards. I know it was Kansas, but he got his first start. He He's steadily gotten more – playing time as the year's gone on. Um, it'd be cool if he became the featured back one day, but I know they got a lot of guys. But what do you what do you see from Evans when when he gets on the field and, and he starts running the football? Yeah, he's I mean he's their best athlete at the position, I think that goes without saying. Um, he's one of the best athletes on the roster period. Um, he's so he's really smooth as a runner. Um, everything looks so there's something to be said for when an athlete makes stuff look really easy and simple and just his ease, like getting around the corner, getting upfield, um, you know, slipping out of tacklers. Um, there's something to be said for like having that level of, of athleticism. Again, to your point, it's against Kansas. So you take it with a very, very large grain of salt. But um, yeah, he's if he's healthy and if uh, you know that in the coaching staff trusts him, which they, they certainly seem to be giving him more opportunities and, and, and is entrusting him with more responsibility and more snaps. Um, you know, he definitely, he definitely looks like your highest upside um, player at that position. Now I know we've, they've, they've, they've rotated through him and, and, and Barlow and Kendra Miller um, and trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. And it looks like Evans, to me is your is your feature back going forward um and, and that's something to build off of if you, if you know if, you know we all are well aware of his kind of off-field drama that came during his recruitment process that was part of the reason why tc was able to scoop him up um but if he can if he can uh you know main you know stay focused um he has a chance to be a really really good player for tcu and give them a really really fun exciting dimension of their offense especially if they're going to be a team where they're basically going to run they're basically going to be a wishbone team if that's where they, <laughs> they want to be it seems like it they got an embarrassment of riches at that position which is great if you're going to come out and run the triple option next year like it, it feels like they might do uh i want to thank matt for being on the show today always fun talking with him don't forget on mondays during football season we talk with matt every week and we'll definitely do that again when they take on oklahoma state on saturday and hopefully it seems like they're going to get a bowl game, Armed Forces Bowl, Matt, December 31st. That's where they're projected. So I know you're booking your flight now to make it down for that one. That's the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, right? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I don't. I think they could go one and seven in the Armed Forces Bowl. People would be like, "Well, yeah, we could get 50 percent capacity for that right. one if we just put TCU in it." Who are they projected to play if it, uh, if they would be in that game? Yeah. Um, so I've seen a couple different things. SMU has come up a couple hey, times. 
So if they can't get the regular season game scheduled, maybe they'll just do that. And then bowlseason.com, which is apparently – well, I don't know if I should say that. My impression when I saw it – I'd never heard of this website before, Matt, but my impression when I saw it was it was actually like the official – like bowl website like for they, news releases and that kind of thing they recently this is wild they recently like rebranded like it wasn't official even though everyone called it bowl season it wasn't officially called bowl season until like i think like a month ago okay. and they find and so and so yes that would make sense that bowlseason.com is like the place for like where all the bowls officially like release their information that's so yes i would think that that would be a fairly reputable source so yeah bowlseason.com had them in the armed forces bowl playing houston okay. as a projection which again dana holgerson decent houston team in the american conference that'd be fun yeah uh, I'm all for playing the bowl game if you win. I just don't want to be four and six. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. They're in a – man, I, I don't think they're going to win on Saturday, but it's very – you know. Yeah, to I your mean, point. Yeah. I, think, I think TCU is, your, is, is one of your better invites if, you, if, if you're the Armed Forces Bowl. You don't care. Um, and you know, given proximity, you're going to uh, get decent attendance as well. Um, so, yeah, I, that'll be interesting. Um, I think SMU is a, a fun matchup especially given the fact that SMU has really crashed down to earth the last few weeks. And <laughs> that looks like a much more um, competitive game now in November than it did in September. If they had played in September, TC would have gotten the world rock, but that's neither here nor there. No, you're right. And a good thing they postponed that game and maybe they'll have a better <laughs> chance if they play them in December. Uh, tomorrow we'll get more into this Oklahoma State matchup. And I'll also uh, break down CC basketball, the men and women 5-0 and after this past weekend. So we'll take a look at that and who they have coming up. Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day. Talk to you tomorrow.